Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I sit down to talk about fasting as part of our Pathways to Presence series that we started for 2022. We look at the spiritual implications of fasting as well as um, some of the practical side uh, of it and uh, some of the common thought processes around it or um, maybe blockers that are stopping you from trying uh, fasting or uh, maybe you've had a bad experience with it in the past. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Movement Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Uh, that What you hear in the background is Monk Drums. Thank you to Jacob for that. If you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community, uh, maybe reading some of David's writings or his poems, check out theruined.com. Check out drcrpod.com for other episodes of this, including our um, series Road to Desert Rain. If you're enjoying what you hear, please tell a friend. Uh, Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Good afternoon, Mr. Morrison. Hello, Mr. Mason, on this blustery day. Yes, luckily it's not as blustery as yesterday. Yeah. Um, Springtime is upon us in the Southwest, and that means winds, my friends. Uh, Today we're going to talk about fasting, and and, um, we're focusing specifically on the spiritual nature of fasting. And and so we do want to give two two points uh, before we even start the conversation. First of all, if you're thinking about fasting or interested in fasting uh, for your spiritual life um, and you have any medical conditions at all, uh, please consult with a, uh, a doctor or your primary care, whatever that might be, to make sure that um, you're not at risk for causing more problems um, because of fasting. Uh, the other thing is um, this idea of like intermit- intermittent fasting or fasting for uh, health reasons and things of that nature. Uh, if This isn't what that conversation is about. So if you came across our podcast and saw that fasting was this episode, um, we're going to be focusing specifically on the spiritual nature of it, um, sort of the uh, biblical implications of it, so to speak, as far as where it's talked about um, and how, it, how fasting has impacted David and I's our spiritual life. Um, Sure, there's health benefits for it, um, but that's not what this conversation is really about. So um, if that's what you're looking for, came to the wrong place. Move on. Move on or stick around. (laughs) Maybe you'll be interested in spiritual stuff by the end. Who knows? Um, But either way, that's that's our caveat, our asterisk to this episode. Um, And so I, I guess... For me personally, I don't, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about it, but I would be interested sort of how you, in your personal journey, how you first encountered um, fasting. Yeah, it was kind of strange. I was thinking about it 
because we had planned for this episode. So uh, I, I don't know who, where I got the idea, but somewhere around 12 or 13 uh, during uh, what we called Holy Week, which was Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Saturday, and then Easter, Easter's. Right. Uh, the Easter's. The, the Easter's. Change your life Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> Barnes and Nobles. Um, yeah, so around 12 or 13, I just kind of started doing that where I would, uh, I remember going into our freezer looking for some frozen broccoli. That's what we had. And I ate that as a last meal. Wait, did you cook it? Yeah, cooked it. Okay. Yeah. No, it wasn't a broccoli popsicle. That would have been hardcore, though. That's what I was just about to say. Like, what? Yeah, no, okay, I, I okay. steamed her up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, ate that. And then, yeah, I would fast until Easter Sunday. And, I, and, and there wasn't a community support for this. And there was no, definitely any, no one in my family that that practiced that. So I don't know where I got the idea. Did you tell your family? Like, did you tell your parents you were fasting or did you just do it? Yeah, I just did it. Yeah. So probably, yeah, I was probably a young teenager because, you know, interact with your family as much. Right. Teenager, so (laughs) shut myself up in my room the whole. So, yeah. uh, So I would do that fairly regularly and, uh, yeah. So yeah. from from teenage years, and then, yeah, I mean, you want me to go through the history? Well, no, I, I was later just, years, or we we will as we as we go okay. along. But I was I was interested, um, and I know I've shared this story in the podcast, um, but for me, I, I've only I want to say maybe four years ago is when I first it was when I came back from the European walkabout, so to speak. So that would have been the end of 2017. Hmm. Uh, it was sometime in December. I was going to try to do a three-day fast. Um, and I think I, I maybe made it a day and a half. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And got frustrated and ate something. And then, and actually, we I know we've laid this out for these episodes, but this pathway to presence, oh, yeah. the uh, celebration of discipline is the book we're kind of using to, yeah, to mark the the different practices. And I actually, that it was a few weeks later, I was at the used bookstore and I was looking in the Quaker section. And that's when I, I found this book and opened it to read the, uh, what is it? Index or whatever, the chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw one on fasting and I was like, well, I already felt sort of a connection to Quakers at that point. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'd be interested to see what they have to say about fasting. And it took me reading that to then have a successful, um, and I think, you know, because he he lays it out as far as starting, you know, I think he says like start with 24 hours yeah, yeah. to begin with and then sort of build 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 it up from there. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I guess from sort of after that first, and was it, did you have any uh, epiphanies or sort of aha moments in that first fast or was it just sort of like, checked off the box sort of thing? Or do you even remember? Yeah, no, I have kind of a fond memory. It's probably more sentimental than anything else, but it was just, I just have memories of that time period uh, being very, very special, uh, very mysterious. I would go to the the church's grotto. I think we've mentioned that before, and I would go hang out there. And usually it's the windy season, 
so the trees would be rustling and that kind of thing. And, uh, and I would just be, you know, I would just withdraw from my friends and, and other kinds of things like that. And, uh, it was just, yeah, it was just a, a very, a simpler time, obviously. Um, and like I said, I don't, I don't know what motivated me to do that. I don't know where I got the idea for it. Um, but it's just something that I just kind of fell into, you know, and, um, yeah. And I look back on it as a very, a very good time. And, and where did, uh, from that point, kind of what, what was your relationship for fasting, I guess, going into your later teen and early twenties? So it kind of changed. Yeah. Once I, uh, began to associate with the charismatics. Mm. So it became more, you fast for spiritual power Mm. so that you can have power to heal the sick and that kind of stuff. And I can't recall any time of doing any kind. If I did fasting back then, I know I did, but it wasn't significant. Okay. You know, these were like a day or two, maybe twice a week or something like that. Um, And so it it would be, Kind of like that, but I don't remember any specific time where it. There wasn't like some. It was. It just became part of your routine of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like prayer and okay, study and those kinds of things. So, and then probably in my early thirties, when, when I was pastoring the church, we, uh, I kind of rediscovered the liturgical seasons, right, and began to. I don't know why. I don't know what gave me the idea for that either. But mm-hmm. uh, but we and and this was church wide, so it was started with probably the circle of of my uh, my intimates probably at first. <laughs> uh, but somewhere around maybe 1997, 98, uh, and for probably five years, six years in a row, or maybe dotted throughout that six to seven year period. Uh, started doing a, an entire Lent fast, a 40-day fast. And what that meant for us then was the we would, I, w- I would fast on six days a week and then on Sunday would break the fast and did that for the entire Lent season. And what Sunday isn't considered Lent. Right. So that's... If you, and if you do the math, it adds, it adds those, yeah, yeah. the 40 days adds up in that way if you don't count... Some yeah. Days, yeah. For those that aren't familiar. And so, yeah, so my struggle was a lot like what people report. You, uh, you focus so much. So you're, you're, our usual compulsions that we all carry around uh, with food uh, or any kind of compulsions, we all have you know, very specific foods that mm-hmm. we crave or drinks and that kind of thing. Um, so what, what would happen is just the compulsions, the normal compulsions that I had, would just become all combined into not eating, focusing on not eating. Mm. And so it just became compulsive about not eating. Yeah. And that was a ma- major struggle in those early, you know, at the, at the beginning of that. And, um, and so, you know, and then, and then the, I think we did an episode on our inner Pharisee. Yeah. Which so, will play either the week or two weeks before this episode. Yeah. So it has, so, it has been released. So thinking that I'm somehow gaining mm. spiritual access and favor with God, you know, because I'm not eating for, you know, look how devoted I am kind of thing. And uh, so the, those, and knowing that that's not right, that's a wrong attitude, mm-hmm. but knowing I had the attitude, I had no idea mm-hmm. how to, 
get free from it. So, so those years were marked with that. And I had a, a new ritual for Lint at the time. I'd let my hair grow mm. all year. It would, you know, get really long. And then on Ash Wednesday, Marshall would shave it. Nice. And so, uh, and then, you know, and I was teaching school, so everyone would yeah. mock me and make fun of me. So it kind of added to that <laughs> humiliation of, right. uh, I think I was called Ed, Eddie, and Ed, this cartoon. Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, I was called Dopey. Uh, oh, there was one. There was a good one. Shrek. Dopey. I was called Shrek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, just the compulsions. I, I can, well, it still happens today. But I'll start making a list of all the foods that I want to eat while I, like my, my, like what you're talking about, those normal compulsions or those normal thoughts, instead of focusing on not eating, I turn it into what I'm going to eat once the time is up. You know what I mean? Like what I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go get a donut. I'm going to go get a full pizza. You know what I mean? Like, and you, stuff you couldn't eat in a week. <laughs> yeah. And stuff you didn't care about before. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff that you didn't even give a thought to. And all of a sudden, you want uh, birthday cake Oreos. <laughs> I need a, a New York, a New York uh, cheesecake or whatever. You know, yeah, you haven't eaten one of like those cheesecake. in like 10 years. But now you need it. Yeah, that's exactly what the brain does. Um, and just to, to, uh, to go back to, or not to stay on the, the Lent fast. What what did it look like when you would break it on Sundays? Would you eat a whole meal? Would you eat very little? Like what 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 was what did it look like to break it? You know that yeah. once a week. Uh, it varied throughout those years, but it was mostly uh, liquid, you okay. know, like uh, milkshake uh, or soups, that kind of thing. Salad, nothing too heavy. So yeah, if you're gonna do a long term thing like that, you don't want to. It's, it's kind of at least in my case. I don't know. I don't. You know, people, everyone's different, right? Uh, but if I ate too significantly, then it would actually. It was harder to jump back into it on Monday, if that mm. makes any sense. If you eat very little, then it, it doesn't arouse the beast, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> and and you're not. It, it was just easier to go into Monday morning, uh, eating very lightly. You know that yeah. kind of thing. So. And I, I, you know, I've, I've been here at Desert Rain, I don't know, coming up on four years, I guess. And it seems like you have a different relationship yeah. with fasting now. And so what, what, uh, what sort of shifted in, you know, going from doing 40-day fasts once a year to, you know, whatever yeah. your, your relationship with fasting is today? Uh, yeah, I, I think my life became more, more Lent mm-hmm. events happened to me. So, uh, rather than uh, me trying to, you know, I've had enough humiliation in my life, mm-hmm. my personal life and failures and, uh, traumas, uh, enough to last a lifetime <laughs> to keep, or, me, or two to keep lifetimes. me humble, you know? <laughs> and so, so I just kind of, yeah, um. And you know what? Uh, part of it could also be uh, we were living in the heart of of the city, right? Uh, not not an urban area, but a suburban. We were living in, in the heart of suburbia, where you could literally drive, uh, leave your driveway, and go through a, a you know a McDonald's mm-hmm. uh, drive through, and literally be back within less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. So surrounded by this instant access 
for all those years. So I think fasting during that period helped me mm. to be able to see what was around me more clearly. Um, whereas when we came out here, it was more of a fasted lifestyle, mm. which is what, what I was more after, uh, a monastic fasted lifestyle rather than, you know, living right. in the heart of suburbia and fasting now and then. And needing, that makes any sense. Yeah, needing, sort of needing that reset almost. Yeah. Each year, that reminder maybe is a better word. So out here, yeah, if you're going to, if you get a craving for, a, you know, a whatever, you have to drive 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's no small and, investment. Yeah, in this economy, <laughs> at these gas prices. And so, you know, so the, so that became part of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I know we, we talked about it a little bit. We used it sort of as an example of the inner in the inner Pharisee episode, but um, I think it would be important to to revisit it here in the sense of um, there's Christians out there that want to live a, a good biblical lifestyle, right? Yeah, like that's that that term's thrown around often. Yeah, they love that biblical <laughs> stuff, even though they have no idea what they're talking about. And so. Um, <laughs> What what does the Bible say about fasting? You know what I mean. Is it yeah. is it one of the Ten Commandments? Is it is no. it is it a must by Jesus? Is it are we going to get in heaven by fasting? Or are we going to get into heaven by not fasting? Yeah. Sort of what's your understanding of the the quote unquote biblical yeah. aspect of of fasting and and um, yeah, and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. In the in the Jewish tradition, there was uh, feast days for fasting and, you know, high holy days, and, you know, which the many Jews still practice that. Right. Uh, you know, um, and, I, and I think that the term in the, I think Exodus, maybe Numbers, Leviticus, Deut Deuteronomy, the, during those times you afflict your soul. You're supposed to afflict mm. your soul and, um, and that sort of thing. Uh, but the genius of the early Christian scriptures are uh, Jesus doesn't command it and he doesn't forbid it. Mm -hmm. He just simply says, when you fast. And uh, in Paul's letters, I, he's almost anti-aesthetic, uh, not aesthetic, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, practices of fasting and tearing mm -hmm. your clothes. And, uh, you know, there's there are verses against that, actually. Interesting. And then it hits the pinnacle, I think, though, is in the middle, which is the prophetic Jewish books, uh, Isaiah uh, 58. If I, I, oh, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. If you got it. something. Yeah, where he, you know, where the prophet Isaiah, this is the, the epitome of of the attitude of fasting. So the problem is, is uh, I guess the state of, of Israel at the time was that they, you know, they were doing the feast days. They were doing the, going to the temple. They were, they were fasting, uh, and, and, but they were complaining that God wasn't hearing them. Mm, okay. And so Isaiah gives an answer to this in the 58th chapter. And uh, I'll, I'll just read it at verse 3. Okay. And it, it's a little bit long. Forgive me. Uh, it says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you, as in God, have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. 
You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed uh, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords, the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? In other words, the immigrant. Um, when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, the Lord will answer and you'll cry for help and God will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, the pointing finger, the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness and your, and your night will become like the noon. So, uh, yeah, and there's, there's, it goes on even more, but the point is, is pretty much made, right? So, so to do holy acts without divorce somehow from justice, mm -hmm. to divorce your beliefs, you know, at least I believe biblical things. That, that's, right, a, right. that's an obsession with, with American Protestants to believe biblical things. Uh, but they reject uh, critical race theory and social justice. Uh, it's, this verse is for them. And, uh, and so, so yeah, so, so the fasting needs to be connected to your attitude uh, towards privilege altogether um, and towards, uh, you know, your, your uh, justice issues, that kind of thing. So. Well, that, that was one of the things specifically, you know, I told the story about reading reading the chapter from from this book, Celebration of Discipline, before I could really engage in fasting in any sort of prolonged way. And the two things that jumped out to me, well, the one thing that I can remember for sure jumped out to me then was uh, those hunger pangs and that just uncomfortability that you have while yeah. you're fasting. That when that, that pops up, you can just use it as a reminder for prayer. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's it you don't have to satiate whatever that is. You can you can just turn your mind to prayer, which yeah. for me in a spiritual fast, that's what I want to be doing. I want to be using that time for prayer and meditation, you know, from the time I, I start the fast to the time I end. But that doesn't happen, right? Because right. we live life, right? And so those are the interruptions. And then Sort of the second thing, and it, it kind of connects to this in a way, or connects to what motivated that that reading is. I want to gain spiritual power, you know. And so if I fast and I get a little gold star right. on God's board, right? But that that just that's just a Santa Claus God, right? Like right. If, that, if that's the kind of God I want, that's it's just a Santa Claus God, and that's that's not the kind of God I yeah I believe in, but. It's cool to think like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'll be better than my fellows and God will do what I want, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we'll so it's get good. Get God to do things. Exactly, exactly. And so it's that reading you just 
Um, and you said that was from Isaiah chapter 58? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for anyone else that wants to revisit that. But um, it's, that, it's that good reminder of like, oh, no, that's not the purpose. I'm not trying to get a gold star from God. I need to be reminded of places that I'm lacking in yeah. where I can help the, you know, the, the um, person that needs shelter, the person yeah. that needs clothing, right? The, the, um, just any of that stuff, anything, yeah. right? Any, any sort of wrongdoing that's going on around me that um, I might even be oblivious to, right? Like I might not even yeah. know that it's going on, but once I do notice being able to, to step into that and, and, um, and I guess for me, a practical example with fasting was um, towards the evening, usually after four o'clock, I would get really hungry. So I went through a phase where I'd fast over 24 hours once a week between Ash Wednesday and the end of October. And I can remember one of those times in the evenings when I would be real hungry and just want to go to bed, right, and sleep it off, yeah, so to speak, because yeah. then I could wake up and eat. I would think about those people that didn't have a choice in going to bed hungry. Yeah, exactly. They they just went to bed hungry. And it wasn't because, oh, when they woke up, there would be food, right? That just was their day-to-day life. And it was, it was one of those humbling reminders um, that I would have not have to face, but I would face, you know, once a week. And, and how, how can I be more generous in a way that maybe there's a couple less people in the world that can, that have to go to bed hungry? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, you know, and ideally, and, and you see this in the scriptures, like with Moses and, and Jesus, um, fasting isn't, isn't, a a practice that you do to get God to respond to you, but it's your response in encountering the presence of God. Right. And so, and you'll see this, you know, in people with creative processes, they'll be so caught up in the vision of their creativity and the action of what they're doing, painting or writing or whatever. Like Vincent Van Gogh? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about him specifically, but they won't eat. While they're, oh, I see what so, you're saying because they're so focused on right, the creative, yeah. exactly. And so I think that's akin to this response to you've encountered the living God, you've encountered mm-hmm. something much bigger than you, and and so eating becomes a very low priority in that sense because um, you're caught up in the prayer or caught up in the work itself, serving others or something like that. So and, yeah, that's that's an interesting. Um, and sort of to sidestep, I know I know I started off by saying this was of spiritual nature, but to sort of sidestep that idea of uh, even someone that maybe doesn't believe, right? You could be atheist or agnostic, but you can understand that getting caught up in that creative yeah. space where you just you just don't eat, like it doesn't right. come to mind. Um, you don't have to be on a quote-unquote spiritual endeavor no. to encounter what you just described, which which is, you know, a really beautiful thing because then it ripples out beyond yeah. the quote-unquote spiritual community or whatever. And, and grief is the same way. You could yeah. be grieving for, you know, a loss of your, a loss of a loved one or a loss of your, 
your marriage, a loss of a friendship, something like that, you know, loss of your job. Uh, these days, I guess they're happy when they lose their <laughs> job. But, uh, but yeah, same thing. You stop eating, that kind of... Well, so, it, so it could become spiritual is what I'm saying. It could become a spiritual thing in that sense. Yeah, and, and I've even heard it... I mean, I, I know we've talked about mental health and stuff like that, but, I, you know, I've heard people encountering deep, deep depression, right? Yeah. The, the appetite uh, seems to go and, you know, my... That hasn't been, for me, with my struggles with depression, that hasn't been a side effect. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be a, a common thing of, of um, just that appetite yeah. disappearing for whatever reason. And the, yeah, and there's a connection to mental health to all of this. There, you know, there are, we're just talking to our friend Valerie, who's reading a book, I forget the title, about, about uh, famous holy people, saints, who were really just anorexic, um, and they, and some of them literally starved themselves to death. Mm. Um, and so I, I think there's one Simon, uh, Simone Weil, uh, in Germany, uh, literally starved herself to death in solidarity for the Jews who were mm. going to the concentration camps. And, uh, I think she was in, fr in France, I think, uh, not Germany. Um, uh, Catherine of Siena, you know, the Orthodox, a lot of Russian Orthodox monks. Mm. It's just really, you know, became a an anorexic issue more than uh, a spiritual issue. So, you know, these things bleed into one another. Right. Uh, these are slippery slopes you have to navigate through. Well, and I think that's what it comes back to. Um, and this is probably more my opinion than anything, but the importance of having community yeah. around you to support you with both of those things, right? exploring the spiritual nature, sort of pushing the boundary, so to yeah. speak, of spirit, you know, whether it's fasting or prayer or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, and if you're, if you're struggling with mental health stuff, having that supportive community yeah. around you. And then thirdly, where those things bleed together, like you're just describing, right. having that community, those people around that can help you parse through yeah. You know, what what is you know what is mental health or mental illness and what is um, a legitimate pushing of the envelope, yeah. so, so to speak, for for whatever you you feel called to do. Because yeah. it's easy to be like, oh well, God told me to do this, and yeah. Then, and then people step back and like, oh, okay, well, who am I to say? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like if you have a strong community around you or a community you trust, you know, like if I were like if I were to come to you and say, well, God told me X, Y, and Z. You would you would be one of the first people to push back, I feel like in my life, yeah. because you've seen so many things of people crediting, you know, right. using God to um, co-sign their bullshit. I guess right, would be right. a good way yeah, to put it. Exactly. You know, and and so, um, and and it's got to be both, right? So Saint Francis of Assisi was a saint and a holy man, mm -hmm. and was bipolar most likely mm -hmm. uh or or some sort of you know uh manic state that he never <laughs> seemed to get out of <laughs> actually that's not true because he went into deep repentive uh, uh deep repent uh, repentance and and uh would cry and and wail mm -hmm. and so yeah so later years we say well that's just repentance and holiness but no that could have been him crashing yeah. Yeah. With his bipolar. And it's both. He's a saint and he's bipolar. Um, 
And so that's, yeah. You can't, and so do you cancel people out? Uh, no, you don't. It has to be both. Uh, and so... Uh, well, and I think that's a perfect... Uh, thank you for bringing that up because um, that comes back too with that like... Um, it's easy to venerate St. Francis from a distance. Yeah, because he lived so long ago. Right. Yeah. But think about the people in your life yeah, that are exactly. struggling with bipolar, yeah. you know, borderline personality disorder, addiction, you know, whatever, you know, we could go right. down the list, right? right. Um, but it's like, you know, that's that's where the community love yeah. for those people um, is just, it's an everyday, it can be an everyday struggle. Yeah. You know, and the, and the church, so to speak, uh, I mean that in a general mm. term, right. uh, could, has a great, uh, opportunity to be on the front lines of destigmatizing mental health, um, you know, and, and and helping people along with that, uh, with community, you know, real community, and not, uh, but you know, but very often they tend to because just read more Bible verses and get a spiritual experience, and your mental health will be completely cured, you know, and. Do you, so do you think... Uh, they would th throw that away, you know, and create community around right. mental health. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, and a follow-up question on that is, do you think they avoid it because it's so hard to embrace? Yeah, I, I think people, when we have people with significant mental health issues in our lives, they challenge our comfortable uh, certainties mm -hmm. of how people should act Okay. How people should think, how uh, the world should work, uh, and and yeah, and then you have somebody who's bipolar. Well, they just flip your table over, right? Uh, you know, and and they bring their chaos and the whole thing, and and so yeah, so we're afraid of it. It's 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 it takes a lot of patience, and you know, and I and I, I just want to state too. I, I hope uh, I'm not here pointing the finger myself. Because I'll be the first to admit that that makes me uncomfortable. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah being around people, whether you know whether they're manic, whether they're in their a depressed state, um, you know, I, I've had opportunities to show up for people in those states, and in, in um, you know whatever over the last 10, 12, whatever years, but I'm extremely uncomfortable with it, um, and just sort of have to settle into that uncomfortability when it's yeah. happening. Yeah, exactly. And so it's both. You know, they, your, your brain is a physical organ. Yes, it, it's the only organ that named itself and named all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still an organ. It's a physical organ. And it could have just as many problems as your kidneys or your lungs or your heart. And, uh, you know, and, and it's not just the pharmaceutical companies are just trying to, you know, make a buck and you should never be on any... Uh, no, you need to you need to explore both. Uh, uh, you know the medical uh, route as well as the spiritual route. Do both, um, and then three or four more others if you can. You know. Well, that was one of the things. I know. I know where we go pretty hard. We we've had we have in the past at the the New Age community, but that that was actually one of the one of the most significant things I can remember. Uh, when I was in Phoenix, I would go to a sort of a new age type 
church, you know, change change your thinking, change your life sort of. Right, also. right. And I can remember one, one uh, morning, the pastor, and I wish I could remember the exact example, but she was talking about some health issue she was struggling with. And she basically ju- said exactly what you just said. She says, I, I take the medication they have prescribed me for this. And it was, it was a, a long, t- it was a chronic right. thing. It wasn't like, it's not know, going away. Yeah. Yeah. She said, I, I, I take mm. the medication that the doctors have prescribed me and I do the holistic, the spiritual right. work yeah. in and around it because, because you're allowed to do both. Exactly. And I remember, I remember for me being like, Oh, that like, cause, cause I couldn't, you know, it's like, the typical meme of like, oh, you're depressed? Just think happy thoughts. And yeah. It's like, well, that's not how it works, you know? And so sometimes um, the religious side gets it to, oh, you're yeah. feeling bad? Just pray your way out of it. You know, just, oh, you got cancer? Right. We'll pray for you. It's like, well, you can go to chemotherapy too. Yeah, you probably you should. Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, so... And it, yeah. So... <laughs> oh, I was going to say... Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so fasting can really help the heart of that issue... A lot of ways because our uh, either or thinking, our demanding, mm, yeah, uh, you know, it's this or that. You know, it can't be both. Uh, that kind of thinking that we all have, that we're all addicted to, it's 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 basically our inner certainty. Uh, if you try to do a fast, you'll be confronted with that that kind of thinking, and mm. it's kind of a safe way to to deal with that because you'll you'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have drank that juice. Now God is. Now the fast doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> I don't get my gold star. Yeah, so that pharisaical thinking, that rigid thinking, religious obsession uh, will be exposed. And in uh-huh. being exposed, it can be uh, dealt with merciless, uh, in a merciful way. Right. And, uh, and, and it'll lose its power. And so, yeah. So we used to tell people, because we did church-wide fasts. We would encourage okay. it for all of Lent. As a community yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we had a revivalistic, uh, point to it. We're praying for revival to come. For okay, you know, uh, and so so uh, you know. But we would tell people, you know, look, if you if you're a heavy coffee drinker, probably you shouldn't. You probably should not fast the coffee. <laughs> right. You know, so we would tell people that. Yeah, the caffeine. Yeah, because the, the headache is going to kick your yeah. ass. Which the first major fast I did that. The headache was the worst yeah. thing. And I remember, I think I've told you that I was feeling one morning, it was probably a Tuesday, Monday morning, kind of, I'm at work and I'm on my break in mid-morning. And I went into the bathroom and started crying. Really? I don't think we've ever <laughs> talked about that. crying like That's a amazing. little baby, you know? And I'm, and I'm like, why am I crying? Uh, and and I... <laughs> And that's why I went through the inventory of what would make me so emotional. Yeah. And it was coffee. I had given up coffee. So how um, many days had you gone without coffee at this point? Uh, it was probably like maybe a week or two. And so I realized, yeah, there's a real emotional connection to that. Uh, and so, yeah, so I began telling people don't, you know, especially if you're working a job, yeah. which most people do. Uh, probably, And if you're a coffee drinker, don't give that up. Uh, if you're a cigarette smoker, you know, I would tell some of you, you, you beat yourself up. Well, I can't fast. Why? I can't even give up cigarettes. So why should I? So I would, you know, encourage them keep smoking. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, uh, what were some of the other things? Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you're on day 
15 of a, of a fast and, and uh, you just, you're getting off work. You've had a horrible day and they put out freaking donuts. You know, these people, the, the donuts will appear at these, your workstation. I like how you said these people. <laughs> you <laughs> know how these people these do. People at work. <laughs> Uh, there's always it was that there was a Seinfeld episode. There was a birthday every afternoon. Right, four, yeah, yeah. And they all gather around. Uh, so there's always someone that puts donuts out in the break room, right? And, and you eat one, uh, eat it, forget about it, and call the next day, day sixteen, and you move forward, you move onward, and you give yourself a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. And and so if anything, fasting. Is, a, is an exercise in learning to be merciful with yourself mm-hmm. instead of that inner critic that will, uh, the, the energy hottest that we all have yeah. that will, uh, is just, you know, tells you that you're, you're worthless. Uh, you're, uh, you're not pleasing to God. You're an object of wrath. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you're, you're blighted somehow uh, because that's a real issue that needs to be lifted anyway. That's yeah. probably what the fasting did for me in what? those years. And I'm not saying not, there were some significant events that happened right after these 40-day fasts, at least two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not saying, you know, strange things don't happen and all that, but strange things do happen physically. Yeah. Too. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, I would catch a cold, you know, on a 30, you know, on the 30th day, 20th day of a fast. And it's and other people have, uh, who've done this reported the same thing. You catch a cold and it runs through you in like less than a day. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, you know, instead of the three-day cold, you get a right. you get a 12-hour cold. Yeah. And I guess your body has more resources to deal with that. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, I would go hiking and I would have energy that I didn't know that I have. I don't think that was a supernatural spiritual thing. I think there's just you just realize you don't need as much as as you think you do, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, and, and that that's the funny thing, or not the funny thing, but that, that's one of the things uh, that uh, Foster points out is that we're so used to, as a, as a, as a society, yeah, we're yeah. so used to eating three meals a day yeah, exactly. and snacks and whatever else. And, and, we actually have gotten away from knowing what our bodies are really capable yeah. of without food. You know, that's just sort of yeah. a societal thing more than any, you know, that's just sort of how it is today. It seems like a lot of our society today worldwide is still on agrarian time. Like, look at our school system. Oh, right, It's right, set right, right. for farmers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so sure. People haven't been farmers in like, you know, there's like, what, 12 farmers in the whole world? Shout out! Uh, <laughs> shout out to Andy in Canada. Yeah, if you're listening. Yeah, so so, uh, you know, our school system is based on an agrarian calendar kind of thing, which is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. For sure. Because uh, we're an urban suburban, uh, you know, society. So think of the food too, the breakfast thing, the you know, waffles. <laughs> oh if you, right. If you're yeah. not out farming, pulling a plow. Yeah. <laughs> for all day long. You have no business eating waffles yeah. with the with the syrup on it. You don't we don't need that. But they've it just translated over from the past yeah. and we think we need it. And then advertisers jump in with that and try to convince you you need 
Well, it's funny too because then you, you don't need. I remember that was like the big thing when Michael Phelps was having all his success. The <laughs> I, I don't even. I, I'm probably exaggerating, but like the ten thousand calorie breakfast. Yeah, you would eat, but it's like, well, yeah, he yeah, he's swimming. He spent, he spent hours, hours a day. In, in the pool. <laughs> like his body's going through calories, and that yeah. I mean, even on the Camino, the stuff. How much more I had to eat just to not lose weight, just to maintain yeah, yeah. a weight was was totally mind boggling to me. Um, and, and before we before we even went off on that rant, there was. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so there is one thing I want to cover. We, we still got a little bit, of, or we still got a, a good amount of time, but I want to make sure we cover this because it it uh, it popped out to me during the reading. And it kind of goes back to what I was, you know, in society, we're used to three meals a day, blah, blah, blah. And um, we're sort of not used to fasting. Like fasting isn't really, a, yeah. I would say, a very common. It's not a very common thing. No. And one of the things that um, he lays out, and, and I'm interested, I'm really interested in your point of view, is he talks about how it seems as though, like, as far as the spiritual practice is concerned, giving money is way easier than um, entering into this place of fasting. Mm, yeah. And... From the church's point of view, I can kind of understand, like, yes, be, make sure you give money to the church. That is a good spiritual practice because right. it because it helps them, right? Like it helps, right, It yeah. helps the church if they get money, right? Yeah, that roof's um, not going to plug itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, so for the church, I can understand why they would focus on that instead of fasting. Um, someone that has given money to charities and has fasted, it's way easier to give money. So I can understand as an individual, yeah. why people would focus on that. And, and I'm just kind of, I, I would, I'm interested in your take on kind of how, how you've seen that over your lifetime as far as people giving stuff, but not necessarily wanting to enter into that space of fasting. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's a wider issue, which is uh, traditionally, you know, a lot of, established, credible, uh, traditional, older churches. You know, they've got the, their buildings paid off. It was built in mm. the 1800s, early 1900s. And uh, the congregation has died three, four, five times now. And, uh, and so a lot of times in their heyday, they didn't want, they would send the money to for what they called a mission church. Mm which was uh, the church that they would start on the bad side of right. town, right? right. So they're they willing to give the money for that and fund that, but not go there themselves and live there themselves. Or maybe go there once or twice. Yeah, or, or go live in that neighborhood. Uh, and, you know, and so, you know, so you see that a lot. Uh, so I think that's really the issue is that I, I want to, I want to serve uh the oppressed, I want to serve the poor, the, the immigrant uh, by proxy mm. <laughs> so that I don't have to get involved myself. And so I think that's probably the, the larger issue of what you just brought up. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what would you, so, so maybe someone that's sort of on the, um, 
the fence or that maybe they think fasting is is good for for a holy person or something like that. Yeah. But what 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 I guess what would be your <laughs> for lack of a better word elevate elevator pitch of um experimenting with fasting, right? Like cuz I, I think that's one thing that I was scared of like oh if I fast I'm going to have to just I'm going to have to do this all the time or you yeah. know what I mean like some yeah, weird right, kind of right. And so so I guess you know what would be the thing you would tell someone if they're thinking about experimenting yeah with this idea of fasting or this this practice of fasting uh, I would I would suggest take do 3 days not 3 days in a row so 3 days let's say uh within 3 weeks or 3 months something like that you know isolated days separate right. days and so on the first one so you're going to fast for 24 hours sun uh sundown to sun up uh, and so, so you, you designate that time, but you're going to fill the space when you're, so the first fast, try, uh, the time, the times that I would spend eating, I'm going to go sit in the park mm. and I'm going to pray. I'm just going to be still and be quiet, or I'm going to go sit in the cathedral downtown or, okay. you know, do something outside of your normal routine. Right. Uh, because you you won't need to exercise, so you know, so so don't so you'll have a lot more time on your hands. Uh, it's it's amazing how much time you have on your hands when that when you do that. So so have a plan to fill. So the first one I would say, focus on prayer itself. Mm. Uh, the second one. So then you do a second fast, sundown to sun up, and that one focus on say reading something, studying something, uh, reading the you know. The, a book in the Bible uh, or some spiritual book of some sort. Uh, and, and you just, and so you spend your eating hours and your exercise hours, whatever you would, your, your social hours and spend it just in reading, mm -hmm. studying, something like that. Uh, and then the third one, again, uh, you know, a sun down to sun up scenario, uh, specifically targeting uh, someone to serve. Mm. So you're going to go to, you know, the soup kitchen, something, you know, like that. And you're going to work there that day um, in, your, in your off hours. Or you're going to pick up trash, something that simple. Uh, uh, do some sort of community service of, and, and you spend your fast doing that. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah, it's it really is going back to that that uh, that idea around time. That was one of the baffling things of like thinking about food or like planning yeah. what I was going to eat, preparation of food, and then actually eating. When yeah. you cut those three out, it frees up. You'd be surprised how much time it, it actually it's ends amazing. Up, it yeah, ends up, it ends up freeing up. Yeah, um, I would also highly recommend uh, to be very conscious of your uh, water. To, you know, yeah. drinking a lot of water. Uh, they say, I'm not sure who the they is. <laughs> the the but, ones that bring the donuts. <laughs> yeah, those people that those people that are so nice putting donuts down in the coffee in the break room. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, that that a lot of people confuse that your body confuses hunger with uh, actual hydration. You're actually mm, thirsty, right? But you're confusing it for hunger. 
I don't know. You know, that seems right. Yeah, it seems like a common kind of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, so so drink, you know, a good, whatever, 80 ounces of water. Yeah, uh, definitely push. Drink more water than you actually think you need during yeah. those days of uh, fasting because, you know, granted this, you know, we're not doctors and this isn't a health podcast, but your body does release toxins and stuff as it's, as it's not using that energy to, to digest food. And and so that was, that's one of the things, um, I don't know, easier is not the right word, but staying hydrated has, has made, I guess, made fasting for me possible. Yeah. By just, by just making sure I have, I'm, I'm up to speed with all of that. So that's a good, that's a good reminder. Yeah. And, and if you have health issues, if you're diabetic or something like that, then you need to, uh, to be more creative about what you're fasting. Yeah. You need to have a different relationship with your fasting. You know, the, the famous fast, like Moses's 40 day fast with no water, that's a symbolic, uh, literary device. Jesus's fast for 40 days in the wilderness is not theologians, uh, tend to look at that as a summary story for all the temptations that he had mm. throughout his life. Uh, and they put it into one, they conflated it all into one story of the wilderness thing. So, so you know, so there's that. So you have to be creative in your relationship with fasting, just as we all have to be creative uh, with your relationship with food, you know, and yeah. with eating. So, Well, that that was a, I mean, through my, my experience with fasting, um, I, I know what I was going to, to say when, when we sort of lost track there, but uh, it was interesting to see my relationship with food. I didn't, I didn't realize, I don't want to say addicted because we do need food to operate in the world, but yeah. um, how I could, how I can be obsessive around food yeah, at times, yeah. you know, that, that was an interesting thing to really, uh, that sort of got a light shine shown on it when I started fasting or, or doing fast within my, my spiritual walk. And the other thing was um, it, it's interesting uh, or it has been to when I, when I do fast watching, especially towards the end of the day, like I said earlier, watching the things that bubble up that maybe happened a week ago or two weeks ago, things that kind of were bo- are bothering me. Right. But when thing, you know, when I have shelter over my head and plenty to eat, water to drink, you know, clean water to drink and like my life is sort of in a steady state, I can just sort of blow off like, "Oh, I, I don't care about that." Yeah. But then when, you know, I haven't ate in a few hours, the things that I would notice my brain obsess about, whether it was, you know, someone who had said something unkind to me that I hadn't really uh, gotten through or what what it could be a million things, right? It's just very interesting. It it would open up the door to to notice things that maybe had gone unresolved. Yeah. Uh, that either I needed to make right, like maybe I had done some some wrong to someone or some situation, or I felt that I had been wronged, and I and I hadn't talked to, and I was holding some kind of grudge towards this person, but not at the level where uh, maybe it was even conscious. Right. Exactly. And so those are those are things that have been um, beautiful epiphanies yeah. during those times of fast. Yeah, definitely. I, I forgot the step, the 12 steps. 
but taking a moral inventory. Uh, is that no it's a it's a fourth step. A fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think I think combining that with a fasting period would be very effective. And that might be a little intense if you've never done it before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe do, if you've never done one, do one while you're eating. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rage and sadness might. Uh, might, might, you might end up in the bathroom pulling your eyes out. Because <laughs> you didn't have coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so we're coming up on the hour. I don't know if there's anything else that you feel sort of hanging out there around this this topic of fasting and, and uh, mix. if you haven't already mixed it into your spiritual life um, or revisiting it. You know I, know, I know people go through seasons, so I don't know if there's anything yeah. else you'd like to visit on the topic. No, I think, I think it's good. Cool. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> it feels good, man. Um, thank you. What you hear in the background, once again, Monk Drums. Thank you, Jacob Nedia. Uh, thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. Appreciate your time as always. And thank you all for listening uh, to another episode of Desert Rain Community Radio and this series specifically being uh, Pathways to Presence. And we'll see you on the other side.